and welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5C.Consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. Hello and welcome to the Adaptive Executive. I'm your host, Greg Ballard, and I'm joined here by Daniel Loudon, the CEO of Nature's Warehouse. Uh, Dan, welcome. Greg, thank you for having me. Glad to have you here. We just had a little conversation. I'm really excited and curious to hear about what you're doing and helping people be educated around the food that they eat, where it comes from, how it's sourced. I think a lot of people are thinking about this as we enter into the next several months, and we're hearing a lot of concern around food supply and stuff like that. And so you're the founder and CEO of Nature's Warehouse, as I understand it. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into that role? Sure. So I am not the founder, but I am the CEO of Nature's Warehouse. Actually, a second-generation business. My mom started the company 25 years ago. I took it over about seven years ago. My brother and I, uh, he's, he's a younger brother. There's three boys. I have one other brother that's not in the company who took over the part of manufacturing. So we do health. We teach health, alternative health, and we supply the products needed for someone to live what we teach is a healthy lifestyle. So when you say you teach alternative health, what are some of the um, the philosophies or the or the, the insights that your, your, your foundational principles right. for that? Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great question because there's a lot of different views on that. Um, we, we believe that uh, what you need for health is, is in the ground, uh, growing. God put it on the earth. We do, I grew up in a home. There were seven kids. My mom who started the company uh, or was built off of, you know, her principles and, and, and uh, um, they, so I would put it this way, um, seven kids, we never went to the doctor. Mom would call up, uh, herbalist. She can't call up holistic doctors. She would call nutritionalist and she mainly just taught, listen to your body, educate yourself and herbs and food were our medicine. So all home births, no vaccinations, no, um, no, there's, that's just how we live. That was our lifestyle. And what happened was people started, as those kids got older, mom had more time. People started asking her, what did you do for this? And what'd you do for that? And she started selling stuff on the back porch of our house. And uh, now, you know, 25 years later, we're a $15 million company doing the same, the same thing. That's a huge jump from selling off the back porch to 15 million, 15 million, right? Yeah, um, and, and that was manufactured. Originally, that was manufactured. So there's another company out there that came out of our company that's probably doing close to the same manufacturing that my brother's running. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So can you step through maybe some of the growth, major growth stages that the company's gone through to get from, you know, kind of 
selling these things that your mom was using off the back porch to neighbors and friends and family to, you know, a $15 million, two $15 million companies. What mm -hmm. were some of the major steps? Yeah. The first big one was making it so that you could reach more people than just the people on your street. So when you're selling on your back porch, on your back porch, you know, um, your, your circle is very small. And what they did was they, they did a small catalog and sent it to some people and, and to sell some products and had some articles um, that wrote, we, we reached out to a herbalist at the time and she had a book that was fairly, fairly popular. And uh, we said, hey, can we publish some of your stuff like teasers in here? We'll try to sell your book. Your book has recipes. We'll start making these. We're, we're already making the recipes and we'll sell the product, right? And uh, it was well-received. And then came the leap of faith when, when you know, you did uh, a few catalogs and you got really good response. Now, all of a sudden, you got to go out and get, you know, 25 grand and drop 25 grand into catalogs and buy a mailing list. Uh, by then, you kind of have... A, a target customer. And that's what they did. I was not involved at that time. And, uh, you know, for the next uh, about 10 years, every, you know, it was 50 grand, 100 grand, every catalog would double its, and we did them quarterly, every catalog would double its sales and buying new mailing lists, um, referral programs, and it was growing, growing, growing. About 15 years, uh, 12, 12, um, they kind of plat possibly plateaued at that. I mean, there was still growth. There's considerable, you're still moving. They're a $5 million company. And uh, the next step included um, maybe moving to a, a more of a central. This was in upstate New York, like in the middle of nowhere, closer to, to Ontario, Canada than any other big city in America. Um, and it was shipping everything out of there. So the next step was probably move the warehouse to a more uh, central place, maybe start setting up some delivery systems because we were sending so many packages down to some concentrated areas where we could deliver with our own vehicles. That was the next step. My dad at the time, uh, who was running the company, it was his money, uh, said he, 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 was, he was tired. He didn't want to do anymore. <laughs> so that's when you know he was going to put the business up for sale. I was in an open place in my life. And uh, I was actually looking at buying another company right at the time. And dad called me up and said, hey, I know you're in South Carolina before you make that, uh, make that jump. I wanna talk to you. So I sat down with him. The next big step was moving our, and we moving our central, our, our shipping headquarters from upstate New York to central Ohio. Followed by opening two more warehouses, one in Indiana and one in Pennsylvania. And that gave us just a saturation in our target areas. And that was, that was, you know, it was already on my dad's radar to do. And we aced it. I think my brother and I aced it, thankfully. And we took it from a 10, from a $5 million company to uh, up 10 million in, in about five years, just by, by that move. And that's, wow. and that's, we just, we opened the, uh, two more warehouses the last, oh, during COVID actually, we, we uh, opened two more warehouses, um, and uh, yeah, that's what we're, we're rolling now, and you know, um, it's working. 
it's working. That's exciting. So when we talk about adapting, right? Um, you just you just put a bucket load of adaptive, uh, you know, changes and growth in your organization. Maybe talk for a few minutes about the people side of growth. You know, what was that original team? Was it your mom and and some of the kids? Your mom and your dad? Was it? Was there employees around in those early stages? And and what are some of the um, the growth phases on the employee side that you guys went through? I think there was 15 maybe employees, give or take, at that time. We had we had, we had, a, call, we had a call center. It was very things were very connected. Like the same person that that managed the call center helped make the quarterly catalog, and uh, the shipping shipping and uh, receiving was kind of the same department. You know, you might receive in the afternoon. Busy times there was a little bit more separation, but uh, you know. Um, receiving and shipping, there was a more flow, more uh, continuity because the same person had multiple seats where as we've grown, now you have a lot of different departments and department managers and, you know, the challenges of the communication flow between the departments and uh, creating systems. You go from, you go from your daily figuring out a better way to get it done to every time you do something, you're thinking, is this a system that can be repeated by somebody else so I can go on to something else? Does that make sense? It absolutely does. So okay. you, you're at 15. What's your head count now, if you don't mind? Boy, <laughs> I don't even know. I should know that. We, we go through our, um, we have a cycle where it's slow in the summer and we're busy in the, in the, in the fall. We just came through our, one of our peak times of another peak time just after Christmas. We've hired so we've hired probably 15 people in the last two, in the last 30 days. So I'm not exactly sure. Probably around 80, 85 employees, give or take. Okay. Yeah, get right in there. We have 20, 22 girls answering phones right now on phones, answering phones, text message, responding to emails, fielding calls and conversations. We have a, a marketing team of three, and then we have a few, you know. Then we have every warehouse has, has a whole um, team. And then we have drivers. I think I have probably 18 vans on the roads today delivering packages to homes. So what are some, um, this is fantastic. And so what are some of the things that you've encountered as a leader going from 5 million to 15 million, going from that 25, I don't know what, how many employees you had when you took over to this 85 now. What are some of the uh, challenges from a leadership perspective you've had at those you know, as you inch up with more and more employees. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so many. <laughs> I try to try to pull out a few bite-sized ones. Uh, that, you know, the, I think that when you're running at a higher volumes, mistakes and positives for that matter can compound really fast. So I think the biggest thing I'm learning is speed of catching a mistake. The faster you have built into every decision you make, a trigger to let you know if it's not working. Because I think most CEOs would understand you make a lot of mistakes. You don't get here without making a lot of mistakes. And the less time you spend 
going down that trail of a mistake, uh, the better. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. So have you guys built like, uh, do you got, do you have like a, a way that you do that? I don't know. Maybe you've not systematized it. Maybe you're just kind of doing it. It depends you know. on the, it depends on the department, you know, uh, we, let's just, let's just, I spend a lot of time on marketing. My brother, um, my, my brother's been taking over some more of the um, day-to-day in, in the teams, like the, the packing and the driving and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but I help him with that a lot too. But let's just, let's just talk because marketing is tough. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, especially, it's one thing to be a salesman and talk to a customer, get in their face and, and sell them on yourself and sell them on, on what you can do for them. That's another thing to create an ad or a system that makes people respond and feel they need you or your services without ever talking to them. And now I'm not even creating the catalog that talks to them. I'm managing the team that's creating the catalog that talks to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do you, how do you know if it's working? How do you know? So there we have to do, let's try this new system. Okay. Let's, you know, let's try doing 13 pages in the catalog up front to have questions and answers. Okay. How are we going to know if it works? Let's, so now we have to, everything we do, we have to have either a sale built into it, a do you enjoy this or a target. Let's say if we get 500 questions for that and we know it's working, you see what I'm saying? You have to build in something like that. Some kind of measurable, right? And yes. measurable outcome yep. on your call to action. Yes. And, and then you can tell that that venue, that line worked because you got the call to action numbers and conversion you were looking for. And this is something I'm still learning. I, I don't claim to be an expert at it, but I do. It took me a moment too long to figure out I needed that. And, and then I said, oh, I, I, we need to start. You know, I made this loud announcement to everybody. We need to start putting in stuff and everything we do, <laughs> just like you said. But then implementing that has been a whole other chore. <laughs> just getting ones that work, that connect. Yeah, coming up with a plan that takes some energy and some thought and some know-how, right? But actually yeah. executing it, that's where it matters. Yes. Right? You can sit in your office and write a plan, yes. but sending that plan out to the team and getting them to actually do it, you know, that's real world, that's rubber meets road and 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 the map is not the territory, right? Just you because you so make well. a plan. Yeah, you say it so well. Yeah. Um so I, I I'm really enjoying the conversation. I want to understand a little bit more about some of the educational things that you guys uh, teach and promote about food and maybe some things about the food supply chain that our listeners might be really interested in hearing. And, you know, and I don't know if you can frame it this way, but, um, you know, we're heading into winter mm-hmm. and this is, I think this is going to be, a, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Um, there's a lot of things that may be of concern, you know, between what's going on in Europe and what's going on here in the U.S. with energy and how that may impact food supply and food chain. Um, what are some of the things that you guys are talking to your uh, client base about when it comes to the food supply chain? Sure. So we just came through COVID, like you said, and we are in a, you know, a, a different place, a different mentality. There is a lot of talk, a lot of talk, and I could go on probably for hours because I'm very plugged in 
to a lot of what's being said. A lot of it's conspiracy, but dividing conspiracy from actual facts nowadays can be uh, a little choppy. And and I do believe we're, we're you know we're heading towards some food shortages. What is going to cause? What's causing those food shortages is um, up for debate. Okay, and and I don't I don't have the time to, to have that conversation. We'd love to have it. Anybody who wants to have that conversation, you can reach out. But um, let's just take a look at COVID. COVID, there was a lot. This was the same thing. There was a lot of conversation about about COVID you know, vaccines, all this stuff. Everybody kind of knew where Nature's Warehouse was going to land on a lot of topics because we've been teaching uh, that health comes from what you eat, alternative health, trust yourself, don't trust the doctor, all these things. We was just who we are, what we've taught. So people kind of knew where we, you know, would land on it. A lot of people reached out to us. How, how are you handling, you know, what are you doing for COVID? And we had our recipe, the things we said. My big thing with people is, is no matter where you landed on it, most people would agree that there was a narrative throughout COVID. Like there was, there was, there was a changing narrative at times, but there was always a narrative. And it created a distrust of different groups, right? Um, and then- I might, argue, I might argue there was two narratives. There was a narrative on the right and a narrative on the left. And very few people would take those two and try to synthesize them into something that was actually cohesive. Wow, you're really good at this. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. That's exactly what it was. So, so here we are. We're post-COVID. Do, do, right? I mean, that's what Biden said. Uh, although I had somebody tell me just yesterday they can't go home for Thanksgiving this year because their their family's still worried about COVID. So I, I don't, you know, but but that's what we're being told. We're past. We're post-COVID, and. Do you really believe that, so narratives are created by people. Do you really believe those people are going home? Like, they're just like, ah, you know, what if for whatever reason we had COVID, it was natural causes or created cause, whatever it was, and, and, and we handled it well, or we didn't handle, they handled it wrong, and, and not, but it's all done. These are political players that have, have narratives and plans, and I believe they're coming after food. I, I believe they're coming after food, and there are, all sorts of now, the same kind of buzz is going on that was in COVID was in, is in the food. And so what I've been, what I'm telling everyone is whoever I believe in the future, whoever's best connected to their food source is going to win. Okay. And what does that mean? If you do it right, you'll cut me. You will never need my business. You'll cut me right out. You'll go up the road. You'll find a farmer. You'll and, and you'll make a relationship, and and you will share with him what's important to you. Just because he's a local farmer doesn't mean he's he's using healthy techniques to grow crops. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so you need to make sure he's grow, using healthy techniques. Share what's important to him. He, the reason why he wouldn't be using healthy techniques is because people haven't been expressing, the, the market has not been expressing the, the, the value of that to him. So he's, you know, and, and so that means the guy up the road is going to grow it cheaper. Healthy food costs money to grow. You need to express to your local farmer what's important. Is, is non-GMO important to you? Is recycling important to you? Is, is organic important to you? Is watching the soil? These are things that, that um, are, are important to our customers. And 
sometimes they can't find it locally. That's why they have to use us. If you were getting all that through your food, you probably wouldn't need us. The problem is, is that it's really, really hard to grow food with all nowadays in today's soil with all the minerals and vitamins and everything that's in, in that that we need. Like it was 150 years ago, you know, the, the marrow still on the bones and in 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 the, in the to get the bone broth and all that stuff that we need. So therefore, companies like ours can give you the supplements you need to get the full body health. Does that make am I connecting there? Yeah, I think what I'm hearing you say is, is, is you teach your client base how, mm -hmm. not only, not just two, but a little bit of the how of knowing their own food supply, yes. build a relationship with local farmers and growers, yep. communicate your values and what yep. you want from them, yep. find a, a, you know, local growers and farmers that you can partner with that share your values. Yep. And, and then, you know, know your own food supply. Mm -hmm. Um that's what I'm hearing you hearing you say. And then, of course, where you can't get the supplements that you need, because I think, mm -hmm. you know, the modern day person knows supplements are necessary yeah. and, and they have some kind of regimen for supplements. Um, and, and then you can you can find those through a vendor like yourself or through another vendor that does it the way you like it. Yeah. And then beyond that, for those type of products, they're, they're the products that can't be locally sourced to make sure that you're, you know, buying it's easy. Nowadays we live in a world where it's easy to go on Amazon and you get it the next day and, and you're not creating value in a system that will, that will be sustainable for you in the future. You're creating value in a system, but is it sustainable for you in the future? So as you look at companies that are, that are carrying values, and I, I really put this out to business owners nowadays it's a, it's a change that I've been making in the last couple of years. Start showing your values in, in, in your marketing and in your, um, in actually in, in your team and in, in your team management and who you are as a company, show those values. If you're a, if you're a company that, that believes that, that we are responsible for the, for the earth and for the soil, um, then, show that, you know, and, it, and, and maybe you're a company that that's trying to save you. I'm not, I don't put out there that I'm trying to save the oceans. Right. But, but that might, or maybe you support a mission. You see what I'm saying? Like we, we, we put those things on your front and the front page of your, of your marketing and stuff like that, because people are paying attention to that more than they were three years ago. And as a consumer, you probably are too. And if not, you should be. Yeah, I think putting values on your sleeve to, to you know, say that, mm -hmm. um, I think is what a lot of organizations are doing. And, and a lot of the, the next generation of buyers are shopping based on values. More than ever. Right? More than ever. More than, more than ever. Yep. And so uh, before we wrap up our call, I want to give you a chance. To, is, there, is there any particular of approach you've had through your phases of growth and as you're building your organization to keep your organization ready for the next growth stage. You know, we talk about being adaptive, but we talk about it not just as a leader, but how do we create adaptive organizations, organizations that can adjust to the market? Mm -hmm. have, have, have you guys done anything intentionally or maybe retrospectively thinking about that question that have allowed you guys to continue to grow? So that's a great question. 
I think that I just live in growth mode. That's, that's, I want, I, you know, as soon as I hit 15, um, I, I was already talking to a business counselor about some different things in our company. And he said, well, what we, you know, what's your plan? And I said, well, the next stage is 30, you know? And he said, well, how are you going to get there? And I said, well, I've got, I've got four different feelers going on. We're trying this, this, and this. And I'm in my system of growth is to throw feelers out. And when something hits, try a little something, don't dump a lot of money into something to try. I got four different things right now I'm working on that could be great opportunities of growth for our company. I'm waiting for one of them to hit. And then I'll pour all sorts of gas on it. Let that fire burn. Fantastic. So I, I'm hearing a very consistent testing model from you. You test it with testing new things with your team, testing new strategies for growth. So you do what seems like a lot of testing, you know, maybe I don't know if it's fast fail or medium time fail, but you put things out there in a short, you know, kind of low risk um, experiment and you see what you get back and yep. then you go forward. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, Daniel Lawton, CEO of Nature's Warehouse. Uh, if our listeners want to learn more about you or learn more about what you're teaching people about food supply, um, where would they go uh, to find you? Nature'sWarehouse.net is our website. The, the um, phone number, 1-800 number is on there to talk to one of the girls. They'll pass you right through to me. If you, got, uh, if you need to talk to me, I've got a, on the bottom of the website, there's a blog. You can, um, you can just click on it, take it right to our blog. You can fill it out. And every time I post something new, it'll be sent to you by email. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, pretty much all the platforms under Nature's Warehouse. All right, and we'll put those links into our show notes. Um, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. Any, any last words for our audience today? You know, uh, you can control your health. You can control your life, starting, starting with your food. That's, uh, you know, you can be a better person and you can't perform unless you're, you're eating salad food. <laughs> All right, I love it. Uh, thank you again. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard and thank you for listening.